desire. Our greatest desire, Lord, is to see the lost be saved, get born again, birthed into the family of God. And then, Lord, to help that child of God, to encourage him or her to go on another mile. Lord, not to quit now. Things might not look so good, but, Lord, there's a brighter day coming. The Bible still reminds us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I pray now you might bless and help. That that you accomplish, sir, will give you honor and glory. In Christ's name we humbly ask. Amen. Now, with me for just a moment, I want you to look. I'm interested in really one word, and that word is furnish. I want you to look at it for just a minute. And then I want to preach on the thought, can God? I can God. First of all, that word furnish means to arrange, to set up, to put up, or to lay in order, or to place a value on something. And this evening, I'd like to preach on this thought, can God? I can God. Somebody said God can do everything. God cannot do everything. You say, how do you know? God cannot lie. Him and he cannot. He is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. He cannot do deny himself. Uh, so may I say to you this evening, can God uh, furnish a table in the wilderness? Uh, I'd like to take and do just a little topical preaching this evening. I'm, I've been trying to say expository, uh, uh, but this is where the Lord has took my heart, and I just want to share it with you. Uh, can God furnish a table uh, in the wilderness? Uh, we'll need to ask a few people in the Bible so that we can understand if he can or not. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, 1 Kings chapter number 19, uh, you'll find in your Bible uh, that a lot just climbed up under the juniper tree huh? after he just brought a great victory huh? over what the Lord did up on Mount Carmel. Huh? Elijah's there under the juniper tree ready to die, huh? ready to give up, ready to quit. Huh? I mean, he's depressed on every angle because of one big mouth woman. Huh? He's ready to throw in all of his ministry, give up for all of life. Huh? But may I say unto you, huh? I thank God for an angel huh? that come by woke him. Huh? I gave him some angel food cake. Huh? Not only gave him angel food cake but gave him a drink of water. Huh? Not only gave him a drink of water but gave him meat for the journey. Huh? So I believe tonight if Elijah was asked in the middle of the wilderness huh, could God supply a table? Huh? I believe that Elijah would say huh, yes. Huh? You say preacher why are you saying all this? Because huh? I realize some of the folk that I'm preaching to this evening huh, you're simply in the wilderness huh? and you're wondering if God really cares. Huh? Is he going to? Now I want you to realize in the context of the scripture that it's written I jumped there in a way of questioning God. They're mocking him and making fun of him. And we'll finish up, the Lord willing, in the book of Exodus this evening, and we'll look in the 16th chapter. But there's a few other people that were in a wilderness, and they were wondering if God could supply a table. There was one fellow, matter of fact, that was in a wilderness. He was in such a wilderness that he didn't even know if God really existed or not. It man, he knew that there was a King David that would live somewhere up in Jerusalem but his name was Mephibosheth he was down in the land of Lodibar man he was ready to give up in life he was lame on both feet had no hope as far as life went Lodibar means without pasture mature means to be sold out I mean he didn't have no hope for life itself all of his, man, his family's done died off they went on and then all of a sudden 
I come riding up, not on the war chariot, but the king's chariot was the servants that the Lord, they or the type of the Lord David sent down. I David loaded up Mephibosheth, brought him back to Jerusalem. I rolled him up under the table with all his other boys and fed him for the multitude for the rest of the days of his life. You say, preacher, you can't prove that. The Bible said continually. He sat at the king's table. I believe Mephibosheth, friend, when I get the glory, he can tell us that God could provide a table in the wilderness. Yeah, man, go with me. New Testament. I'll give you New Testament. I'll get back to the book of Exodus. In the New Testament on the hillside, a multitude of 5,000 men plus boys and girls and women. How the Lord was wandering in that wilderness. Man, you read your Bible. It says in the wilderness, in a desert place, how they were sitting over there. There's this little boy. How Philip done counted the money. Had 200 pennies worth or pence. If you want to quote the scripture exactly the way that it was. But he went over there and he said, what's this among so many people? He said, but Lord, he said, there's a little lad here that's got five loaves and two fish. Thank God tonight a little boy's lunch. I could feed a great big bunch. I'm glad to report unto you that the Lord took those fish, took those loaves, blessed them. They distributed them out to the necessity of the saints. Fed the whole hillside of the multitude and then took up 12 baskets of fragments. I believe we could ask old Philip today. Uh, Philip say the Lord could provide a table uh, in the wilderness. Uh, I believe we'd ask Peter today. Uh, uh, Peter could say that. Matter of fact, go with me to John chapter number 21. Uh, uh, Peter's there. He's gone to fish and he's give up on the work of the Lord, if you will. Uh, you say, preacher, that's kind of harsh to say. It's just the truth. Uh, he went back to his old life. Uh, uh, but out there in the middle uh, of that wilderness of where he was fishing and he caught nothing, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to him, told him to come and die. I believe old Peter would say, boys, that's some of the best bread and fish I've ever eaten in my life. Captain D's got nothing on him. Libby Hill's got nothing on him. he tell us tonight, friend, that the Lord could prepare a table in the wilderness. Amen, I believe. Hey, go with me. Acts chapter 27. I ain't got this rope down, but I'll just preach on it anyways. Acts chapter 27. They was in the storm of Eurocladon. They made their way over to a little place called Malaysia. If you look it up, it's a Canaanite word. That means refuge. But when they got over there, amen, listen, it's 276 people. I rolled up on shore, those that abide in the boat, those that stayed on the piece of the wood, and those that swam. They made it up to the shore. When they got over there, old Paul began to get a few sticks for the fire. And when he picked up one of the sticks, a snake bit him. They cast the logs onto the fire. And it wasn't just a little while to them people. Amen. And people who uh, was wondering who they were and they was wondering who they were. Uh, amen. They were the Gentile people, if you will. Uh, Brother Jill, amen. You can read that for yourself. Uh, but they began to uh, build a fire and add to the fire and fed them uh, and kept them there for several days. Uh, I believe there's 276 men uh, and those friends that are in glory someday. Uh, I will testify to the fact, Brother Jeff, and I'll get to sit down around the throne of God uh, and hear how, uh, how the Lord provided uh, for them in the wilderness. Amen. Yeah. Hey, but go back with me. I want to prove to you how uh, throughout the word of God uh, how the Lord has took care of the nation of Israel. Uh, in, uh, excuse me in the book of Exodus. Uh, uh, chapter number 16. I promise you it won't be long before you. If you'll just listen real fast. Uh, I'll do myself to preach fast and get done. Uh, uh, but in Exodus chapter number 16. Uh, now I want you to realize we're going to need to lay just a little bit of foundation of where we are. Uh, in Exodus chapter 14. Uh, I want you to 
already, let's back up a little further. At chapter number 12, the Passover has happened in Egypt. How finally Pharaoh has let God's people go. Amen. They're making their journey up out of the land of Egypt. As they're making their land up out of Egypt, they begin to sing in chapter in chapter 14. The Lord tells the Israelites and how to go. Amen. In the same chapter, I believe it's verse number 13 of chapter number 14, Moses comforts the people. Go with me to chapter 15. Man, they begin to sing Moses' song. I mean, they're bragging on him of what he's done, how he's delivered them. I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. If you'll read in the latter part of chapter number 15, you'll find that there's not a lot of difference sometimes between our songs and our sorrows. Three days into the journey, they've made it to a little place. The Bible tells me, I believe it's verse 22, that they come out of the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And then they went on a little further. They come down to a place called Mara. If you'll study it out, it's a place that means bitter. But they come down there. And as they got there, they started to drink of the water because they found it, but the water was bitter. I thank God God showed Moses a tree. Moses cut down the tree. I cast it into the waters, and the bitter waters were made sweet. You say, friend, what are you trying? I'm just telling you that's a picture of Calvary. I thank God a little over 2,000 years ago how the Lord took Calvary, put it into this world to make the bitter waters sweet. Amen. Then the Lord took them after they got the waters where they could drink. He went on down to a little place called Elam. When they got down to Elam, the Lord popped up setting the umbrellas of palm trees. I told them to climb up under the palm trees to get out of the sun. How to get some rest. Gave them 12 wells of water. Now go with me into chapter 16. You'll find in your Bible in the beginning of part chapter number 16. That is, they start into the wilderness of sin, or Zen. Z-I-N, it's actually S-I-N in your King James. But in the original Hebrew, it is Zen. And so, but can I say to you, it's going to be all about sin when it's all said and done. Amen, you'll find out that the Lord's going to take manna, and he's going to test them with it. Amen, he's going to find out if they'll be obedient to what he says. But you'll notice in your Bible that as they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the Israel, and that on the second month, on the 15th day of the second month, you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I want you to realize the time frame. It's been exactly one month since they left Egypt. Amen. You read your Bible over there in Exodus chapter 12, verse number 18. It's the first month, the 15th day that they come up out of the land of Egypt. But now it's been one month and they're in the wilderness of Zen. And if you study that, they're making their way to Sinai. Can I say this to you tonight, friend? They left Elam, which is a place of comfort and rest. And they were heading towards Sinai, where God was and where the law of God was. But before they got over there to where the law was, I thank God there was a wilderness of sin. Hey, you say, you say, preacher, surely you don't mean to say that. I do. I'm glad that before they got to where the law was, there was grace. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because, friend, they were hunger. They were murmuring. They were complaining that they had nothing to eat. Matter of fact, some of them went to the extent to say, we'd been better off and we'd be back down in Egypt. We had three meals a day. We had this. We had that. But even during their bickering and their moaning, God sent manna down. Amen. That's grace before the law came. Somebody said grace didn't come to Jesus Christ. I want you to realize if it was not grace in the garden, Adam would have died not only spiritually but physically. It was grace that 
that God spared him in the garden. It was the blood of some animal. Somebody said, Preacher, that's mercy. I want to say to you, it was mercy and grace both in the garden. I'll say the children of Israel, if they got what they deserved, they ought to have died here because of their murmuring disputings and bickerings and complainings. But can I say to you tonight, friend, as they made their way on down, it seemed like that they were going to starve to death. Can I just say this tonight, friend? Starvation was more anticipated than it was experienced. Man, the devil will get in your mind and he'll have you to think that something bad's going to happen that you can't press on. Right now, can I just be right honest with some of you folk? You might fall out and quit listening, but that'd be all right too. Amen. Spiritually, I'm starving. I preach more during this pandemic than I have before, but I want you to know that I'm dry spiritually. I'm struggling every week. I'm getting up, coming in here, propping you up with a smile, acting like I've got the right message from God. I want you to know, friend, I'm just like the children of Israel. There's manna all around, and I'm starving to death. I'm bickering about and remembering how good Egypt was, and you can say, oh, preacher, that's not me. I want you to know, friend, I struggle in this flesh. I'm carnal just like you are. Can I say to you tonight, friend, you brought us up. They, they matter of fact, they said to the Lord, they said, you brought us up out of the wilderness to kill us here. You brought us off to be a slaughter of where it was. In other words, Lord, you have brought us here. You're going to make us slaves just like we were down in the land of Egypt. We're not going to make it. We're not going to do any good. But can I say to you, look with me in verses 4 and 5. I'm not going to read them tonight. But if you'll fall in your Bible, I'm going to try to preach this chapter real fast. But notice what the Lord said. The Lord said, Behold. He said this unto Moses. He said, Behold. Remember that word, Behold. You find it written in the Hebrew or in the Greek. It means of what's about to follow. It's been totally different as what's been up to this point. Amen. Now listen to me. He said, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it will come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Can I say to you, friend, bread don't normally rain from heaven, does it? Amen. I had man, Brother Kirk, every time that I've ever wanted a loaf of bread, I've had to go down to the bakery or the Walmart or food line and go in there and find Marita or find something on the bread shelf that looks resembling a loaf of bread or something that they loaf in. I've never looked up and saw bread raining from heaven. But the Lord said that to him. He said the Lord promised that he would provide for Israel in an unexpected way. He reminds us sometimes, friend, that God's able to provide for me and you in some unexpected ways, in some unfamiliar ways. Can I say it this way? Sometimes he provides from familiar resources, and other times he provides in some unexpected resources. I got some things that I need worked out in my life. I got some things that, Brother Jeff, I know right now I've already asked man, man, I've already asked this, and I've asked that, and I've even looked to myself to try to figure out how this was going to work out and how I was going to be able to pull this off. But now, friend, I'm just going to be honest for you. With you, I'm looking up, hoping that the Lord sends some manna from on high. I'm not talking about the little round coriander seed-looking thing, but, friend, I'm talking about the very need that I have in my life. I'm asking him, and he's told me that I have not because I've asked not. Now, friend, don't, be, don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching 
prosperity. I don't believe if you need a car this evening, the Lord might send you a BMW. He might send you a wore-out Volkswagen. He might send something to supply your need at the time. But I want you to realize he had every man in mind. Brother Jeff, I looked this up this evening, and I got to studying on it for a little while. And I thought, Brother Chris, and it just blew my mind. If my math be right, I said, Lord, how many meals did you feed them? Some folks said there was many as to me and Israelites that made the journey out of Egypt unto here. And that if he fed them, he fed them one time a day. Ain't that right? And for 40 years, he fed them. You said, ain't true, preacher, reading verse 35 in your Bible. For 40 years, he fed them. Jeff, somewhere around 63 billion meals the Lord distributed and put out on the table. You say, I want to say this. Can God provide a table in the wilderness? Honey, if he can do it 67 million billion times, I can see that's so big that my mind can't even wrap around. I can't even really preach it. I want you to realize if he can do that for them people. Hey, man, he can do it for me. He can do it for you. I've just come this way this evening to tell you that I'm in need of a touch from on high. And friend, I'm just being honest with you. I need the Lord's hand. Amen. I need more than an omer of fresh manna. Has somebody said, preacher, how much an omer? Well, if you study it out, you'll find two different distinctions in the Bible. Some say it'll be near a gallon. Some said it was nearly a handful. But I'll just say this tonight, go on record, not say it ashamedly. It don't matter if it's a gallon in man's measurement or if it's a handful in the Lord's measurement. I'd a whole lot rather have a handful of Lord's than a gallon of man. Can I say to you tonight, he knows exactly of what you and I stand up. He knows, friend, that you and I need a table built in the wilderness. And he said, listen, he brought out the manna so that he could prove the people and see what was in their heart. You said, preacher, ain't so. Read verse 4 again. He said that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And you say exactly what was manna. The word manna, Jeff, if I understand, that's exactly what it means. What is it? That's what it means. You say, well, why? That's, what I, that's really what I wanted to preach on tonight. What is it? What is it that you need? What is, let's just be right honest tonight. You say, well, boy, here's the whole problem with America, and I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm going to start from the pulpit all the way back to the pews. We've got to a place anymore where people don't pray. I mean, we utter, utter a few other little words unto the Lord. It's kind of like when we go to pray over a meal anymore. I realize that ain't a place to get your prayer life caught up. But how many times that we have those same little prayers after a meal as we do at night. Now I lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord my soul to keep. We've got three-year-olds saying now pray most adults in this day and time. We ask amissly when we come to the Lord. When's the last time that you got specific before God? Now listen, I'm preaching to me and just not you this evening. Brother Kirk, we had we had 34 names on our prayer list at Pleasant View before our revival. And we called them out name by name. And I know people's against that. But Paul named people in the Bible. He named them by name. Amen. He did. He exhorted them when they was good. And I believe. Amen. And if you'll go over there in 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy, Brother Jeff, the Lord even labeled some people that wasn't so good. Amen. Alexander the coppersmith. Demas. Amen. I could preach right there just for a little while. But I want to say this too. We come to a place anymore. We say prayers and we don't pray them anymore. We ask amissly. But why don't we go back to that? 34 people we asked for. And 
And those 30 out of 34 of those people we called names out of, seven of them got saved in revival. And here I am. Here I am two months later after revival and in the same shape I was when I was in revival. You say, preacher, that's a shame. No, that's just what this flesh will do for you if you don't keep your focus on the Lord. And the Lord's asked me today, Kenny, as I was studying this, what is it that you need? And somebody said, well, you're going to tell us? No, because I'm just telling the Lord. I ain't told another soul. My wife don't know what I need. But I'm, 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 I'm confident in whom that I am persuaded that he is able to do above that that I could think or ask. And I've took it to him. I've took it to him privately. And I said, Lord, here it is. And I want to say this to you. What is it that you need? When's the last time you took it to him? You say, but preacher can. God can and God will in his time. What is it that you need? There's some of you sitting right now at home, Facebook, watching this broadcast. What is it that you need? You're sitting there, some of you sitting there lost and undone without God. And you need salvation and you know it beyond any shadow of a doubt. You need to be saved more than you need anything else in this world. There's others of you sitting right now on your couches, sitting in your beds or wherever else you may be, maybe listening to it as you're going down the road. You, your, your marriage may be on the very well on the brinks of just blowing up and blowing out and being done. And you're just needing the Lord to do it. When's the last time you told him what you need in your marriage? When's the last time? You said, but Lord, don't the Lord know everything? He sure does, but it sure does please him when we ask him. Yeah. Amen. Hey, God provided the birds with the worms, but he didn't put them in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Amen. The birds have to go, they'll have to leave that nest and go get it. And that, you'll have to leave where you are and come and ask the Lord that that you stand in need of. What about your financial needs? I know, amen, I've worked with people. That I've, Brother Kirk, that's lost their job. They're in a place that they've never been before. Hours been cut, been in a place they've never been before in their life. And I don't, know, I don't know all the answers to that, but what is it that you need? Why don't you take it to the Lord? Why don't you ask him that, that you stand in need of? Not saying in what you want, but what you stand in need of this hour. How about your children? Some of you have got wayward children that I'm talking to. You say, but preacher, I prayed and I prayed and prayed. It's kind of like that lady said she prayed for her husband for 42 years to get saved. She said, if I'd quit at 41 years, she said, it all been in vain. But she said on that 42nd year and the first Sunday of that month, said her husband walked the aisle and got born again. She said, if I'd have quit at 41, she said, Kirk, I never got to see it. But she said, I stayed persistent and I pressed on another mile. What is it, friend, that you need? I'm talking, there's five men here tonight. No, actually six, seven, there's seven men of us here in the church tonight. And no doubt there's needs sitting right here in this building if we'd be right honest about it. And they may be little bitty or they may be great big. And you'll you're, you're not inconvenience the Lord by talking to him about that that you stand in need of. Amen. We, we've got a missionary right here that ain't got a mission field right at the present. They've shut down all of his work. But the Lord's got other things lined up for it. What is it that he needs? I don't know what's going through his mind. He doesn't definitely know what's going through my mind, the needs that I have. But here's the deal. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. Amen. I need the prayers and you need to practice and I need to practice and you need the prayers. Amen. That's the truth. So what is it that you need? And I want to ask you one more time. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? 
Matter of fact, can I, can I remind you of this? You that are saved by the grace of God, we're going to gather around the table one day. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you going to be there? If you're not, I want you to know he's prepared a table. And he's made it so that every person, every boy, girl, man, or woman, regardless of rich, poor, fat, skinny, tall, short, doesn't really matter what color, what race. He don't really care. Amen. What gender? Somebody says only a certain. I won't get into that tonight. I get mad and preach in the flesh. But I want to say this to you. God doesn't care on that end. He wants you at, the, at that last table sitting. He wants you there, friend. Why don't you make preparations to go? All you got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sin. Say, preacher, you believe in old Holy Ghost conviction. I do. Man can't get saved unless he's been convicted of his sins. Amen. He's been brought to a place of repentance. Then he get born again. Hope that you'll trust him. Uh, some of you have asked about the broadcast on Sunday. We'll be letting you know on something Facebook uh, going forth. Uh, we're making preparations maybe to make a move Sunday. Not real sure where the Lord's going to take us just yet. But right now, please, uh, Brother Kirk and Kenny's going to come back, sing a song for you, and then Brother Castle's going to come preach. Give these men your attention. Thank you for tuning in tonight. May the Lord bless you.